Chris Shepamaniacs. You're listening to another episode of the Shop Talk Show. I'm Dave Prepper Rupert, and with me is Chris Comfy <laughs> in the office choir. Hey, Chris, how are you doing today? Yeah, we had a tiny little leak in the, the ceiling the other day. That's about as bad as it gets around here, but the electricity for the last five days, I'll tell you, has been extraordinarily consistent. Really? Okay, good. Yeah. You got all, got all 120 amps or whatever it is. All <laughs> the juice we need. 20, 20 volts. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Uh, not, not so much down here in Texas. We had to, uh, kind of cancel a guest sadly. So, uh, but anyway, we're back in action. So I yeah, got, yeah. I was interested. I mean, it was, I could do nothing but, you know, follow what was happening there, but does that, was that just a, a one, one neighborhood of Austin or are we talking, was that, is this a national emergency? It was all over Austin. That was the weird part is like, I mean, so we had a big ice storm come through and, you know, it, at first it was like, so when it rains, ice is in Texas. When it gets icy, like below 30, they cancel school because Texas uh-huh. are stupid and we drive too fast on the ice and we crash and it's not safe for schools and buses and blah, blah, blah. Like, I, I, I don't like that. We're just like, you know, every other state up north of the Mason-Dixon uh, is like, yeah, we're fine with cold. We We drive on ice. That's fine. Uh, Austin is, or Texas in particular, just is does not handle it very well. So um, you'll just see videos of people like careening sideways at ninety miles an hour on the interstate. You know, just like <sighs> it's not good, right? Uh, so anyway, it it ice. They said school is canceled, pretty uneventful. And then, boom! That night, you we woke up to hear like the the sounds of like popping, like. <laughs> And like tree branches yeah, you're just trans- falling, and transformers just boom, like going out. Like a, a tree branch came and like karate chopped, my, like a, a patio chair that we had, like a, a outdoor dining table chair, just like karate chopped it in half, and like uh, also took out my fiber internet. And then like we thought we were okay, like oh that was the worst of it, and then boom, lights go out, you know, at like eight thirty in the morning, and so. Five whole days of no power, and it was uh, brutal. Uh, we we survived though. Like sent the kids over to friends' house who had power. They lost power, but then they have a generator. So, oh my gosh. Um, anyway, it was a it was a brutal situation. So yeah, it reminds you how precarious all this is. You know, just that one thing. You know, and how many other of those one things are there? You know, internet and your water. Well, yeah, like I had thought about like getting a generator after the freeze in 2021, you know, like that a lot of people did. My, my friend Mm -hmm. John did. And like, that's like awesome. I like cool. And in my neighbor did too behind me, but like the, you know, we're not generator experts. The chance I turn the generator on next time and it works is probably pretty low, you know? Uh, and oh, yeah. ask my snowblower. It's a journey every year to get that thing to work. Right. Exactly. Right. So like, I'm just like in panic and my generators broke. I don't want to be in that situation, but whatever. Um, but anyway, I, we could have got a generator, but then my internet wouldn't work. So like, then I'm like, I don't know how your life is structured, but we are very internet dependent. I think Um, Mm. like we have Netflix, you know, kids have iPads, Roblox. I do work on the internet, you know, like, so do I need like a backup Starlink, you know, to do my, you know, like how, how, Stupid, mm, do you get because you know? just just because you have power doesn't mean you have internet. Is that right, the case? Right, right. We have overhead lines here in Austin. We don't have 
buried lines. That's not a feature of Austin, Texas. So oh, they're yeah, they're 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 pretty tight at the hip. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you're gonna have to have if if your power and your internet are a hundred percent combined like that. I don't know. I think most of the world has, or most of the United States, I should say, has like buried lines and stuff like that. So it's probably a lot less brittle than Austin. But yeah, we just had the ice storm hit us in the wrong place. And so, yeah, I even have a generator tucked away somewhere, but it's not a home generator. That's a different like classification. I have one that can, you just has a couple, you get it going, which I think I could get it going. Cause it's a, you know, it's designed to be really simple. You pour some gas in it, you pull the lever, you know, mm-hmm. but it's only got a couple of, you know, two twenties on it or whatever, a couple of outlets. And it's just for absolute emergencies. Like, I don't know, running a hot plate or something. Right. <laughs> it certainly isn't going to make the outlets in your house work again. Yeah. There's like little things you can wire up to make that work, you know, like, but it's, yeah. And then you need to like turn everything off and go to like critical systems or whatever. And I don't know. So I just, yeah, it's a lot to think about. So we, we may bite the bullet and get a generator just because that was uncomfortable, you know. Um, <laughs> and if it's going to happen, like, if I only have power 50 weeks a year, maybe I'll just get a gen. <laughs> I'll just have a generator. I don't know. But then it's like all this is stuff's happening, right? Because of global warming. Because like <laughs> weather extremes, 100-year events every year, right? And like is me running on a natural gas generator helping the situation? Absolutely not. <laughs> like it is mm. actually probably making the situation worse. Um, so I don't know. Anyway, it's a, uh, that's interesting. And then what happens when my natural gas goes out, you know, boom, clog the pipe or explosion. I wonder what we would have done as a family. I feel like we would have had like, and we're going on vacation. <laughs> you know? Well, that's the other issue is like, like if they would have said, Hey, uh, you, you don't, we're not going to have power for five days. Boom. Me and my family, Ted cruising it out of here. We're going to Cancun. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Like we're out. Uh, but in like stinking this realm, <laughs> you know, they're all like, Oh, it's coming on guys. We're working on it, you know, and Friday, you know, and it's like, no, Monday is more accurate. You know, oh, gnarly. You had to go through a whole weekend. <laughs> yeah. So, Anyway, we, I don't know. I need a vacation from my forced vacation now. So that's kind of my life here. So anyway, <laughs> just all struggles. So uh, you wrote maybe three weeks ago or so. Remember you were, uh, you made this just great little list of things that you'd have to do to make a new JavaScript framework, which was really funny, <laughs> but also <laughs> True, you know, and by JavaScript framework, I think you mean like, like, let's say you want to be solid JS or something. What does solid have to do? Not well, necessarily. You mean like a big, a big one that has big ambitions? I think was kind of the. I mean, I could tell you exactly. So here's what you got to do. Ready? Mm-hmm. You got. You need a library, right? But it has to be a different from React. Can't be React because people just use it. But it has to be similar enough that people who use React are like, yeah, this is cool. It's just like React. Like you might even say you use JSX with our library too. Might might have to have JSX just to like appease, just popular demand, right? By popular uh-huh. demand. Uh, you have to say it's fast. Solid does that. Uh, <laughs> I'm not picking on solid. Uh, you need 10 influencers to get hyped up about it being fast, right? Uh, you're going to need a CLI. 
You're going to need a linter, a formatter. You're going to need a build process, some kind of like uh, Vite is probably the cool thing, but you need like a custom Vite extension, you know, uh, whatever, like Vite plugin, my framework or whatever. Uh, you need mm-hmm. a custom file extension. You can't just have JS. Got to be cooler than that, right? So it's got to be LJS or whatever your thing is, right? And then you need a component model, right? That's like pretty standard, right? You yeah. need types because everyone's using TypeScript now. Um, you need Start lo- with TypeScript, yeah. Local and global state management, obviously. You know. Yeah, that's that's funny too. And you can't use it. It would be tricky to use an existing one. Eh, maybe I shouldn't say that, but but you either need your own or it needs to work really well with an existing. <laughs> yeah, you need a concept of it, right? Like some kind mm-hmm. of right. And then uh, you need like a marketing site, right? You got to build a marketing site. You need a doc site. Uh, you're gonna have to have dark mode because that's really important. You gotta have on those two sites, yeah. Yeah, you're gonna have a plug-in module system, right? You're gonna have to have something like that, extensible, uh, sure. Yep, and then you're gonna need a dark mode module so everyone can have dark mode on their uh, sites that use your project. You're gonna need a router. You're gonna need an auth module, like somehow to connect to OAuth or something. You know, uh, you're gonna need an image module to make it fast, like Nuxt image, Gatsby image. Uh, Astro's got one. Yeah. Astro's got an image. Uh, everyone has an I image. Suppose. Yeah, if it makes HTML, it's got to do something. And then you need images. a meta framework, right? On top of like people are building apps, man. Like you got to have a meta framework, but you know, you're using building a meta framework just to build your doc site, but that's fine. Like, you know, we're making serious apps, but we're mm, just I building see. a doc site, right? Like you so, could not, your core thing maybe doesn't need a router, but your meta framework better. Like oh you yeah, your ch- your core thing is really hotty about how it, it really really uh, hot to trot about how it's doesn't it's unopinionated or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then you have a whole opinionated meta framework that goes along with it because you can just sweep your you sweep your opinions to the oh, meta yeah, framework, kick them down the road. You know that's a <laughs> these jerks problem. Uh, these are the opinionated one. I'm cool, guys. Uh, <laughs> what what drugs is this? Yeah, I'm cool, guys. Uh, yeah, like, uh, and then you need the uh, special doc site generator uh, that competes with the meta framework, like the DocuSource specific. I think Eleventy just got one of these recently, right? Uh, it's actually pretty cool. Um, yeah, because there's of course a difference in an app like framework or something to you know with that's that's generic enough to fit any web application, but those are too generic for a documentation specific generator. Exactly. Those, those yeah, because that one needs like code highlighting, like a it, what it's eleven D right. notes is the new from Sandro Roth. Uh, is is pretty good, uh, but you need that one. It's got to uh, have the sidebar as the the main thing, you know. Like it's got to auto generate the sidebar, auto sidebar. Probably some like sidebar dot yaml, you know. Uh, got to be like previous next buttons, um, you know. Sure, right. Just in the ideas. Hub. Stuff you up. promise everybody all you got to do is dump your markdown files in a folder and you get a doc site. Yep, yep. It's but but hey. We're a serious JavaScript app framework. Mm. But anyway, we're building a static blog, <laughs> but, but completely static documentation site. But whatever. We are a serious app framework. Uh, and so you need that. The the And then your meta framework, right? And your meta framework, it says, whoa, we need something special. We have to have islands. So you need island architecture, right? So you got to, like, you know, lazy load some components. But you're... you're 
your meta framework can't just have islands. It needs to do server-side generation, uh, SSR, server-side rendering, client-side rendering, universal where you split the diff, increment, incremental static rendering, uh, or on-demand builders, you know, kind of like on-demand mm. generation, CDN back delivery, and edge functions. You got to have all that stuff like boom in your meta framework, right? And then... Like all that stuff is really expensive. So you need VC funding to do that. And then you're going to achieve your goal of becoming a cloud hosting provider like Gatsby and then get acquired by Nellify. So there you go. <laughs> That's how you build a JavaScript framework in the year 2020. Yeah, you do all that work, which is not the work of one person anymore. That's a, it's a mic. It's a, it's a team. Let's, let's say 10 to start, you know, I think 10 minimum. Yeah. Yeah. And then, because you can't, I mean, that money doesn't grow on trees, let's say. So Ten you developers do to, who make at least a $100,000 is a million dollars a year burn rate. So Yeah, yeah. And yeah. we're starting to get to this weird thing where 100K for a developer is starting to be, I don't know, maybe all these layoffs have, have brought it back down a little bit, but that was, that's some pretty beginner level that, stuff. That would um, be, yeah, you'd, yeah, that would be pretty low unless they live in a market where that is a good amount. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, but you can't. I mean, you have to. The, the ironic, ironic part is you. You almost have to bring your own fame too, because not only do you have to be this great developer, but ideally you're part of the marketing too. Mm-hmm. You know that you're so you have your own you know people you're bringing to this framework because you need the influencers. But maybe maybe a little double duty doesn't hurt once in a while that your developers themselves are the influencers. Yeah, yeah, I think I, we've seen that with very popular frameworks that got acquired by Shopify. I mean, we have seen that just happening uh, mm. time and time again. So, you know, you would say there's some behind the scenes stuff too and that you know the, the the influencers can work publicly, but they have to work behind the scenes too. Like if you sense some criticism bubbling up of the framework, you kind of got to reach out quell quell any rebellion against the naysayers here you know make them feel bad about their public criticism hey guys real people work on this that's like autocomplete you got to have that in the text (laughs) expander you know i don't think it's fair because like real people are spending their hard-earned venture capital back time on this so like be nice (laughs) so you gotta have that in the text expander so I'm just digging a hole. I'm just burning bridges, aren't I? Yeah, I'm doing a good job. But that, hey, it's a, it's a, I, again, tongue in cheek, but it's just, I, like, I do think this is what it takes to, like, have a framework or like all frameworks kind of evolve into this point. And there's some appeal to it, isn't it? Like there, uh, it feels like, oh, oh, wow, you did it. You made it. But there's also this irony that these are largely front end technologies and the, the, the end state for these things is usually not that great that it's hard to, to play VC in this world. Cause what, what are you going to do? Like, uh, that's what your last, you know, one of your last bullet points is the, you know, you got to become a cloud hosting provider because now you're, now you're doing something that people are, are used to and okay with paying for. Whereas I better be able to NPM install X to use your thing. It better be free. The full framework better be free. It's free for forever, free for life. And I get to yell at you at GitHub. Yep. Right. So you can, you need something else. And we're all very certain that, you know, your lemonade or your Patreon or whatever, or GitHub sponsors is absolutely not 
going to pay those 10 developers. It's just, just absolutely not happening. Yeah, about 60 bucks max. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there's, there's advertising. That's not going to work. No, you know, like no. The, for developers, no. So you need like so membership sometimes works. I mean, the early remix days they were they were selling it, and I d- don't hate that. That's cool. You know, Craft CMS charges a hundred bucks or whatever. That you know they're still doing just fine. Uh, saw those fellows at the PT the other day. It turns out we use the same <laughs> physical therapist. Oh, good. Uh, making friends on the electro chair or whatever right you're getting electrocuted in the chair oh you gotta sacrifice your back you should have put that uh, as a bullet point in here yeah yeah just (laughs) destroy your body body. Uh, but I wanted to hone in on one of them. Aside from that was fun to to dig into for a minute. But the fastness is fun to think about to, to me because they're usually they're not lying. You know, these people are serious about what they mean and that you kind of have to say it because you, you certainly you can't say nothing and you can't say it slow. You know, and if you're going to do all this work, usually the 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 underlying spirit of it is I think I can do this faster because there's been changes in technology that I can leverage, whether it's ESM or import maps or browser changes or, you know, like not having to support older browsers. There's something has changed that I, the way you can do it is faster. At a, at a fundamental level, like if you use ESM versus not ESM, it's faster. Like, cause hmm. having script type module chucks you to a whole other browser JavaScript machine in, in like Chrome. So like just having modules, module support in only modules, like boom, you're faster. So like, yeah, but we're, we've already gone down a path now. Now we're talking about browser fastness and that's right. not always what they mean. So here's true, some true. examples of this is that um, a- a- Astro means that they say build faster websites. It's not, a hundred percent clear and you know it's like it's got to be a tagline it's got to be digestible and usable so no no shame in any of this but i know what they mean is that they ship less javascript to the browser thus the website itself is faster they're saying build webs faster websites for users Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but i don't think that's always what the goal of the framework and what they mean when they say fast is the same like, for example, Next is slightly more clear about it. They say uh, one of the sentences on their homepage that uses the word fast says an integrated, powerful, Rust-based JavaScript tooling for the fastest builds. So there's that. that is probably, I think, more common that frameworks and meta frameworks use the word fast in conjunction with DX instead of UX. They're saying this is... It's fast in how fast it compiles and gets ready. It's the the it's fast in how you can preview it. Like what is how fast is it for you, the developer? And I, I I've always defended that in in a small way, and that I do think that stuff matters too. I I don't I'm not saying it's more important than what users experience. I, I'm never going to say that, but like I I'm just not gonna poo-poo dx too because i i like it and i i mean just straight up i'm not going to use it unless it's fast you know like i didn't use 11 because it was 0.05 milliseconds slower than my jekyll and like so i like stopped transferring my blog over to it. it's fine now it's probably even faster but like mm-hmm. 
that fastness, like, and that's about feedback loops, right? Like when I hit save, I want it to boom, be saved as fast as possible. And right. yep. I think that's killed some things, you know, that because I we have choices. I can do other things with my time and my life and stuff. And I like the fast feedback loop. It does make me feel more productive. I th- I agree that some of the criticism that says that, well, that it doesn't automatically translate to, you know, the 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 saying that good DX leads to good UX is largely debunked and that's fine. But like I still get to make choices about what tools I get to use and I choose the fast ones. So it could mean faster websites, although, you know, you that it's hard to say that it's like you can provide a foundation for how fast the user experience is on a website you can deliver a template that gets 100 on lighthouse or whatever but you can't promise that as a as a framework it's easy to screw up websites and people do it all the time so tricky but you know you can say it if you're a project like veet you're you're also in that build category because you're not really a framework framework. I mean, you're part of all these tools. But so when you say speed, you are talking about builds and you can say that. But you're also talking about not just the build process, but then what happens after the build. And if in in the case of Vite, they say lightning fast HMR and they're talking about hot module reloading, which is the end of the feedback loop after a build. And it's that tremendously satisfying experience where you don't have to refresh the browser and not only is CSS changes in there, but your JavaScript and and ultimately HTML and DOM changes are put in there too without the refresh of the browser. And nobody craps on this because it's just a developer concern only, you know, but it, it is a little bit like client-side rendering for the developer. You know? Yeah, yeah, it's... Uh, CSR it's... for that world yeah and it's kind of for lack of a better term like tweakery like it's like i'm gonna save a thousand times and it better show up you know like whereas like ancient days i remember like clicking a button in visual studio and compiling the website to see the change i just made you know like like there are very old ways anyway so like, but it's just this like, I'm gonna hit save a billion times. And I want to see it show up, you know. So that's right. But you know, I looked at the homepage for Nuxt just because that comes up in our Discord quite a bit. Patreon.com/slash/shop/talk/show. Does it say that, it's fast? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it brings up the only time it uses the word fast on the homepage is because of how good the SEO strategy stuff is in Nuxt, and that what you get is fast time to content for great indexing, meaning it's fast for Google to get updates to the content of the website. It's an interesting claim to make. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there's, you know, I, I, I was listening to a podcast the other day with the, one of the the main guy, perhaps, from Quick Q-U-Q-W-I-K. Yeah. And, you know, Quick's right in the name. They put fast. Oh, they in bought the, in. They, they really, okay, if they don't deliver, they don't deliver, yeah. Yeah, interesting. And they're, you know, they're talking about, oh, I don't know, in, in every way. But it is interesting that you you, you got to throw out the word fast, and it's, it's rarely particularly well-defined. You can kind of just say fast and developers just buy it, even though what it means is all over the map. Just interesting, I think. Are you are you collecting these? Because this would be a really awesome, like, uh, <laughs> like it would be a really awesome, like, uh, just I don't know. You did a recent blog post where you like went through like all your uh, all the like 
announcement uh, blog post for Interop 2023, and you're like, what code do they use to announce it? Like for the timestamp, you know? Anyway, it was brilliant. It was like peak content for me. Um, <laughs> it's just, just let's just look at this HTML for these browsers. Anyway, I love it. Uh, but it'd be like interesting, like when people talk about fast, you know, what do they mean by it? And then what is there? Yeah, that's kind of why I brought it up because it's on my it's on my my two blog list potentially. Drafts. I love it. Yeah. Cause it, it Nuxt has a second homepage. I don't know if you know that, but yeah. <laughs> surprise. Uh I believe it's uh what well, I'm sorry, I'm in uh this new browser that doesn't have URLs, Nuxt.com. Uh but um it's uh but they use it for what are they Fast and furious, optimized with code splitting, tree shaking, fast by default. So you can focus on building, you know. So that's like developer fast, you know. But then they also have ship faster with Nuxt modules. Ship faster. So see, that's a good one. I didn't bring that one up. Yeah, ship faster. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it reminds me of something. I can't remember what it is, but there, but yeah, yeah, it's still it's another abstract usage of fast. Like, does it make your team faster? Is the website faster for users, or is the build faster? Which I think is the kind of the most common one at the moment. Yeah, is like how fast does the library or do the processing that it needs to do is generally the most common one. They have like a, they use euphemisms like supercharge and. Uh, Performant is another one too. That's what I saw in uh, uh, Solid's headline: "Simple and Performant Reactivity for Building User Interfaces." But, um, but yeah, there's there's a few euphemisms, right? But but it's funny. It's the the that ship faster. You know, I I know like DX gets a bad rap right now. Um, <laughs> it it's under fire currently. Um, but but what I care about is that community module system. Like I. I don't want to go reinvent auth. I don't want to go reinvent Vuex. I don't want to go reinvent, you know, or uh, I don't, I don't want to do that stuff. I want to, or internationalization. I want a community module that does that, you know, like I, Dave Rupert likes to code, but I do not want to reinvent whole big systems like that. I want to benefit from the, the commons, you know? Um, so that, that part of shipping faster is actually kind of important to me. That ship faster aspect. Um, Interesting. I would have. I would have. Uh, I would have almost poo pooed that because it seems so arbitrary to me. Like the the speed at which you ship stuff is a hundred percent to do with your your team and the, well. And there's not. It's not always linear, right? Like, oh, I'm going to npm install this and solve my problems. You know, that's what you think, and then you spend seven years figuring out what options this thing takes, you know, to make it do the thing you want to do. You know, like, I feel like that's, everyone has that story, you know, where I installed it, but it took like five days to hook up. And now I wonder if I should have even installed it, you know? So Mm. (laughs) that's a common thing, you know? You got another post i did one of these too i was like i'm gonna t- think about the stuff in css that i still want and it came over the uh, the year of you know i was on the snowtacular or whatever uh, the 
front end oh, yeah. horse thing. And I, and I, I don't know how I decided that this was going to be what I talk about during that thing, but I started making something. I was like, I was going to show somebody, I was going to show off a particular feature that I thought was neat. And, you know, here's the thing on CodePen. We, we have all these panels that you can slide around, you know, and we're working on a new editor too. And there's arguably even more of that kind of thing going on. And it, it's surprising to me how complex the JavaScript libraries are for, I want to grab a thing and drag it. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's influencing other panels too. You know, it's not so hard to just drag things around or make them resizable, but make them resizable while influencing the size of multiple other things starts to get more complicated, yada, yada, yada. So I started there and just through that, ju- it just went forever on like, oh, that, that's hard. And, you know, it's a little bit doable, but you know, like I, I don't have choices in how it looks. I don't have any choices of how it's styled or how I can grab it or thing. And if there's text in there, I have even less options. And how can I flow content from one to the other while I'm changing it? And it just cracked open this door of all this stuff that's still very hard to do in CSS, almost surprisingly. And I put that into a post about, you know, what I want to see in in, in CSS in 2023. But since then, you know, not that I, I didn't, I'm not saying I started this because everybody blogs about their CSS stuff. You did it. Eric Meyer published his just yesterday. Tyler Sticka did it from cloud four. So there's starting to be lots of these like lists to reference of what people want. So maybe we can talk about that a little bit. No. Yeah. I just, you know, yeah. Okay. I found yours. Things CSS could still use heading into 2023. It's funny, man. There's so many, um, like 2022 was a very good year for CSS. I think we should celebrate that. Interop 2022 worked. That's where all the browsers were like, well, let's all work on the same things kind of generally and we'll land them in a similar ish time frame. Firefox has kind of dropped the ball, but. <laughs> but they, they, I think all that stuff is coming like Marchish or something is kind of what I read last or, um, uh, but anyway, that's, uh, it's very exciting. And so I just was thinking about 2023. I think it happened. We talked in our discord too. It was just kind of like, oh man, you know what I'm like want. And, and a lot of my stuff was literally just stuff I want from working on Luro. I'm just like, like I needed, uh, like a select menu, right? Like a, a styleable select, like a user dropdown or a status dropdown is like what we just rolled out, right? Um, and it's like, gosh, if I could just style this or put a user icon in this dropdown, my life would be friggin' sweet, you know? Yeah, right. right? Like, but styling a select, as hopefully all Shopify maniacs know, sucks. So, so it's it's not there yet. But the select menu lets you kind of do that and so uh, and then related to that well you know, what always gets me is that if, because developers want to do this it because in a way because of frameworks that we're just talking about how easy it is to do the absolute basics like and i you know not that i'm not sure where to place the blame because css helps makes this easy but let's say you have a div right and the div can toggle back and forth between display block and display none and inside that div, you put some more divs. And in those divs, you put the emoji that you want to display or something that, that you couldn't otherwise display in a in a select menu, or you couldn't apply the CSS that you wanted to, like colorize each menu item. And then you put on-click handlers on each one of those divs inside the parent div. So now all of a sudden, you've built a select menu out of divs 
that does exactly what you want for people that don't use their keyboard, that are only on a desktop computer, that have no, you know, you know what I mean? Like that's, it's so easy these days to build the wrong thing. So what Select Menu does is not only it keeps it easy and does the 1,000 other things that are necessary to do to make it, you know, semantic and perform it and accessible and all those things. Yeah. And like that's, it's just, I don't know. It just like if I could get that, like, A, I would reduce code. You should see the code for our, you know, custom user dropdown. It's 400 lines of code, you know, like or something like that. And a, and a component we pull, pulled off the shelf, you know. It would be cool if it just was easy, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And then related to that, CSS anchoring was a thing that was talked about. I really don't know where that's at, but popovers. But, you know, we have these little meatball menus, you know, the little three dots that you click and they give you other stuff you can do, right? All over the app. Mm-hmm. We're using Popper JS, I think, to like do uh, that, yeah, and position yeah. that, and show that. It's cool. It's fine. But man, we're doing it a lot. It would be cool if it was just as easy as detailed summary or something like that. And just boom like arbitrary dom on the top layer i even had like the top layer problem like we had we wanted to use a meatball <laughs> in a dialogue which is kind of terrible but whatever that's where we we're at in life you know and like and then and then we had like where the dialogue was on the top layer and then that was like overflow hitting and stuff like that and i just was like oh, well, oh it'd no be better if that was on the top top layer you know like the and Is that a thing now with the new dialogue thing? It just automatically is on top regardless of how deep it is in the... Yeah, yeah. Adam Arnold was telling me yesterday he had an issue. You know, like where DevTool, like when you write a a bad code and your React or Next or whatever will give you like an error on line 52 or whatever, Mm -hmm. like a, a big overlay. Well, that's CSS. And even if they put it at CSS 1 million or whatever or Z index 1 million, your top layer will actually be above that. So if you're working on modal and you trigger an error, your modal will actually still uh, be the boss. So that's like great, you know? Yeah, I mean, it happened. I was working on a modal the other day that the way that we do modals at the moment and some parts of CodePen is we, you know, because it uses React, there's this thing called portals in React. And the whole point is to that you can put the, you can put the modal kind of anywhere where we need to or where it makes sense because you never know how freaking deep you are in nested component land. But if it's a modal, it gets like portaled out to basically a child of the body mm-hmm. because modals can't be that deep in there. Like one little position, one little overflow hidden, who knows what's gonna what it's going to chop off, you know? Mm-hmm. So you, you just like have to move it out. That's really super cool that the native one absolves of that problem that's freaking great isn't that weird like using the platform we solve a problem you know like and if you have trigger a modal from a modal like it'll like go over it you know or it's smart it gets, it knows what's happening you know anyway mm-hmm. so that's one letting trim which is kind of a i hear the name might be changing but that was you know that's that idea where you know how like when you like whatever make the background of text pink and there's like extra space above your text that you mm-hmm. didn't code in there. Uh, letting trim tries to solve that. So it's like, you can like set the line height basically to the 
top of the T and the bottom of the T, you know, have a capital T or something like that. So yeah, it chops um, off right at the edge. And so for alignment, it's especially nice, right? Because who, what it really depends on what font you're using. That like something uh, like a like a let's say you're building a documentation website with a sidebar on the left. You kind of want that first item in that sidebar to line up perfectly with the the header that's on the right, and like it's just not going to. It just won't. It won't. It <laughs> yeah. won't. And so, like, so the the current workaround for this is this tool called Capsize, and you can like put it in SAS and you know, like, but you got to like upload your font and like s- scroll a line to the top of your thing to count a metric. And and where we're seeing it a lot in buttons, you know, like a a button element, mm, you know, where you do like yes, zero point five m, and it's like got extra padding on top. It sucks. And so, like, you end up with all these magic numbers, and I'm I'm starting to hate magic numbers. Um, but what you do with cap size is you use magic numbers, and you like display table it, and then like do a or before after display table, and then I have like content null or like empty string margin bottom minus zero point one one eight nine m, and then margin top zero point zero four seven nine m in display table, like. It works, but it's kludgy. And I had to like go measure my font. I had to go eyeball it. That sucks. Like, let's not, I don't want that anymore. It's probably driven people to frameworks in the past. You know, they're like, look at my freaking buttons. I can never get them to look just right. Screw it. I'm using Bootstrap. You know, oh, man, I mean, why? I absolutely. Cause like I've like certainly been in that position, you know, or, or like it's like, I just want a button, but now I'm being told by design it looks bad and I have no idea how to fix it. Well, this will fix it. Um, and, uh, you know, I just found out it's in Safari. It's on by default, Safari Technical Preview preview 163. So that's like maybe in the next version, big version of Safari. So, um, but I, I'd heard the like, sp- there's some spec drama. Just I think they changed the name of it or something like that. And it's weird. It got turned on. But anyway, ideally, it will... Uh, uh, be available soon in some browsers because that would just eliminate troughs of code. I mean, one of my coworkers who I, I don't want to throw him under the bus, Trent Walton, uh, just put a thing where he did like top three pixels to like fix a vertical alignment thing, you know, which mm. you usually shouldn't have to do. But I think it was 100% one of these letting trim situations, you know, mm. where the, yep. the font had extra font or extra white space so when you did a vertical line it wasn't correct so yeah i you know i think it uh, subtly affects design choices that people make like this isn't you know wildly common but imagine you're in that like left sidebar right sidebar kind of situation and there's some letting trim issues that are a problem rather than even trying to align the text perfectly you might use like i don't know border top one pixel or something because that will align because there's mm-hmm. no you know so now all of a sudden you you've made this choice to you know to use lines in your design because you can like trust them more layout wise yeah so if you can start to trust text more that will change design subtly i think yeah no i, I think it'll change a lot of stuff just because it's you know it happens inside your buttons. It happens at the card level. It happens at the layout level. You know, like 
Like you, we, we might have act, a chance of actual vertical rhythm if this shows up. So that's kind of exciting. So mm-hmm. um, where ascenders and descenders and the font don't impact like the like, you know, I don't know. To me, it's like line height equals actual line height too. like at that point, because you're just like, I'm no, I'm slicing this, but I want the letting in between to actually be, you know, three pixels or 10 pixels or whatever. So it's cool. Uh, I had a couple other, but we don't have to like, whatever, read my blog post. But the two things are relative color syntax. Cause like light and darken and SAS, I need that almost daily, you know, just like a little, I don't want to spin up a whole new variable. I don't want to do the HSL lightness variable splitter thing. I just want a little darker gray so it's a little more noticeable, you know. That one's that one's a big deal. I see you put color contrast in there too, which is cool. I have like lower hopes that people are gonna really lean into that one so much because it's kind of like, I don't know, I'll just pick the color, you know, <laughs> rather than uh, I don't yeah, think it yeah. saves all that much, but the relative color syntax is flipping amazing. I just I just love that one. You can start with anything. Start with anything. A, a hex color, HSL, a new color format. You can start with any base color and then just be like, oh, s- smoosh it up a little bit. And yes, there's helper functions like lighten and darken, but you can do anything you want. The The general color function will say from, and then you've put the original one that could be in anything else, and then say, what do you want to output it as? You know, like, what, what if you want to switch it over to the OKCLH model? Well, you can do that and then have access to those outgoing channels and then use calc to mess with the channels on the way out, which sounds a little heady, but it's like that's what you can use then to adjust the hue too. So if you're like just lightening it, doesn't do too much because it's too saturated or something that's your you can scoosh the hue just a little bit too to to get right and that stuff just trips my trigger i love can, it i mean you can like a does you know you go to this design system and they have like 70 pinks and 70 oranges and 70 greens you know um you could build that with literally one color that's like like you pick a hue and then you just have a math-based you know, whatever, tetrachromatic or whatever, like you could like do the math to get to the complementary colors or, you know, the five complementary colors. And then you can like do like the lightness values from zero or like by tens or whatever, or hundreds from zero to a hundred or whatever um, by tens. And then like, so like you can have like 10 pinks, 10 grays or whatever, but you just, it's all programmatic. I just, man, it just mm-hmm. feels so good. <laughs> So feels like the way to go. Because then if you, you know, and you just know like you're always adjusting lightness by 10 or something like that, like, man, it's so easy to be like, you know, gray, light, light, lightness channel, you know, minus 100 or minus 70 is always going to be in your design system. That's incredible, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, looks so. If we compare your list to Eric Meyer's list, it sounds like uh, 
He's got subgrid at the top. Interesting. He shares that one with Tyler's list. Um, I'm also a big fan, but it's like it's already on the interop 2023 list. So I feel like I don't really have to wish for it because it's just going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eric wanted masonry. Like you're going to get that too. Just dropped in Safari. Interesting. A little pushback on it from the Chrome people because they feel like it's underspecified and maybe shouldn't be in grid at all. Uh, feels like a little too late since Firefox is shipping it and Safari is shipping it. So it's kind of like, oh, no. I'll just ship it. I actually quite like it and think it's fine in grid. I think it's, I don't know. I maybe if for me, it felt right in Houdini. Cause it's like, I'm going to do a weird thing, you know, but not everything has Houdini. I do wonder if it should have just been display masonry, but anyway, um, well then how do you tell but, it what columns to use? I mean, the, well, the, the but- grid template column, I guess it, then, yeah, maybe it, it's fine. See, I convinced you. I already won. See, you won. Yeah, because all your grid template rows masonry is how you do it, and that's all you. That's all you're messing up is the rows, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, that makes sense. They, Tyler agrees with you about relative, relative color syntax. I agree too. It, I believe it is also on Interop 2023. So good. You're just gonna get that. It's starting to drop all over the place. I think uh, Chrome is next, and it's really soon that it goes to stable, which is, is freaking huge. Nice. Yep. Um, let's see. The 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 you listed the view transitions API. Uh, it looks like um, Eric does mention that too, and it's number one on Tyler's. I'm telling you right now, that's the coolest. That's the coolest thing that's going to happen in the next couple of years in CSS land, and it's you're going to start. I just am. I couldn't. I'm, there's no way I'm wrong about it. It's a, it's amazing. It's amazing. It seems like so. I mean, there's been three or four attempts at it already, but like it just seems sorely missing. You know, the the idea like I can just make like Sarah Drasner's like quintessential demo in view that was on uh you know that was on. CSS tricks, just like yeah, yeah, that, that and she can, overdid it on purpose to be like, oh, everything is whooshing around as 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 you click, and that it was so beautiful and so Sarah and so awesome. But the point of it, really, I think, was to just say like, this stuff is possible. You know, ch- chances are in your app, you're not going to be so whooshy whooshy about every header goes into a new thing. I think that it's more like that apps will be able to have that feel that native apps do because i mean just open up any native app and start and start poking around your spotify or whatever the the views are gonna slide around they're just gonna that's just all native apps they just do that for whatever reason and usually for good reason that it's like oh i see i'm getting deeper into the hierarchy or whatever yeah it kind of makes sense and we'll be able to do that pretty trivially with this it's very cleverly specified certainly (laughs) certainly i was gonna i was at a meetup and i was just gonna get up for five minutes really quick and show how it works and i just i just couldn't get it (laughs) i I did it from scratch and i was like you know i just made a, a pen really quick to do it so there's there's little things that make it I I feel like harder than it should be, but it that's half my fault and whatever. So well, but th- that's also market opportunity uh, for stuff like GSAP to come in and be like, just it is, yeah. you know, like awesome. We make it easier to do this, and that probably saves GSAP bajillions of lines of code to tween between two en- elements. You know, like. Um, uh, yeah, I you, see. You know I see what, what I mean? you mean? Yeah, 
Yeah, because like, you get that flip, and it's all it's all um, it's just not quite it, it, what it, it does it with. Believe it or not, a screenshot, like a image of what is yeah, moving, a rastered, a rastered, uh, yeah, which is capture. not quite green sock territory, you know. But I'm sure they can use it in some yeah, way. Yeah, I guess they want more. They do better work, but like, but I just this idea of like, yeah, you just want to kind of like basically show per object permanence basically you know if you've had a kid mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. play peekaboo with your kid uh when you hide your eyes they think you disappeared um and then you <laughs> reveal yourself again and they're like whoa boy that's amazing that's exciting yeah like uh we can have object permanence with our websites so yeah it's just it's just tremendous and the nails already in the coffin of client-side rendering of everybody now admitting that that was stupid and bad well, for performance reasons and SEO reasons and all those things, for, for the most part, and now with this saying, oh, you be and you don't have to lose transitions either. Oh my gosh, interesting. That's what I'm trying to wrap my head around in 2023. Here is what is life like with that? Like with the acknowledgement that CSR is kind of bad news, uh, and with the acknowledgement that hydrating is kind of bad news and expensive. And with the acknowledgement that uh, we, you know, we can now transition elements, what, how do we build websites? You know, container queries might fit in there too. You know, like, I feel like we're kind of at a big point where, where how you build websites going forward is going to be pretty different. So we're back to inline click handlers. I'll tell you that, you know, they used to be so uncool, you know, but yeah, put the JavaScript right on that, on that button element. Like if you're using a <laughs> PHP or a rail stack still, you're actually probably in a much better position than most of the other people to like adapt to the new web stack, you know? So, yeah, I mean, I think, I think Astro is well positioned as well too, that, that they strip out all the JavaScript stuff and get you. The point is you want, you know, you want to be shipping HTML and then, and then really tastefully, you know, because I think they still have some challenges too. And that like, for example, you, you know, let's say you, you want to ultimately use react, but you have a little react component that you want to use in there. They don't do anything, you know, they'll strip it out for first render, but then, you know, if you do client visible or whatever, it's still going to load the entirety of react to power that one element. And that's Mm -hmm. the thing that's also starting to be questioned. I think like, do we really need that at all? Can we not hydrate it? (laughs) Still use JavaScript, but not load an entire framework to do it. And that's where islands. Yeah. Like kind of come into play or like, yeah, don't hydrate it. But you know, this, this one you do, you know? Um. Yeah, I feel like Nuxt is okay positioned for it too, especially if they land kind of the server and client. And then I heard Evan Yu talking about this new thing called Vapor, which is like kind of like not what you name your <laughs> mythical JavaScript product. <laughs> but, <laughs> but Vapor is a new way. Like basically, they it's an alternate rendering engine where if you know the component, uh, not quite like functional, but if you know like the component is mostly static or whatever uh, uh, and doesn't need to be rehydrated. You could use this and just fast path, you know, again, fast, like faster building, you know, and faster or, you know, less JavaScript at all, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of my new framework fool's gold. Oh yeah. Yeah. Coming out really soon. Really? 
the uh, you know the, uh, when I was listening to the quick guy talk about quick, it was interesting in that you know when he when he was you know doing his best to call out React problems, it was kind of that it's not so much that React is forty kilobytes and that at some point you got to load React and that forty kilobytes you know is is heavy or whatever because it, it's easy then to have somebody to be like look see forty kilobytes that's bad and have other people be like forty kilobytes is like my favicon you know who cares but it's mm-hmm. not so much that it's that our react app tends to be hundreds of kilobytes and more that it grows that an actual app in it is not 40 kilobytes <laughs> it's many hundreds of kilobytes and i think he's right about that and that how do you stop that proliferation too like can a framework hydrate itself without being like okay i'm, I'm at zero and to hydrate is all hundreds of kilobytes of that yeah i feel like my dream state is a framework that knows that you know like this needs to be hydrated you'd actually dave don't have to worry about it. i'll figure out if it needs to be hydrated you know and then but but in addition to that it's like you know okay cool i have an api actually i know this this endpoint takes a long time and can't be in or this everything's going in a serverless function unless i know it can't go in a serverless function like it's too big or it's too something and so like i'll just put that on a node server somewhere and i'll figure out the bridge between those two like that's what i want that's what you know like yeah. I, I want my God, there is a lot of moving parts to all this. Whoosh. Yeah. We have not figured it out. Let's say we're, that. We're you far. Know. There's still stuff to discover. So mm-hmm. uh, UX may be a solved problem, but, but serving your website is not. So anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, the back to the CSS stuff a little bit. Yeah, you what's know, your yeah. what's your big What's your big hope? Well, you know, I, I, I'm interested in the all these, the, you know, your list and all these other lists, but, but almost like, can everybody also do another one where instead of like looking at what is already coming and that you just want sooner or something and think like about stuff that is not on any list? Ah, you know, like, the like big pie in the sky, <laughs> big brain. You want big brain. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Even if it's like, you couldn't tell that it would never ship because it's too esoteric or too, you know, or too fraught with problems or never who ship knows what. Never tabs element. Got it. Yep. <laughs> uh, okay. What's next? That's too bad. So. <laughs> yeah. And that one's, you know, HTML too, so tricky or, or, or whatever. I don't know, like the full SVG syntax and CSS or something mm, like that. Yeah. You know? Like I could use that, like you know how you know, with a, whenever SVG makes its way into CSS at all, it's the it's the unitless syntax, which always freaks me out because it's like CSS doesn't really do unitless very good. You know, like I know we have it for something like line height, but it all it just means is a multiple. So like that's fine. But then so you put the syn- you put the numbers of SVG in there for something like clip path or offset path or there's a couple of other places where SVG syntax has made its way into CSS. What it ultimately means then is pixels. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, well, that sucks because offset path as it exists now uses that syntax and is only pixels, which means that the offset path is not responsive or resizable in any way. Mm -hmm. Just like, oh, boo. Right. 
Huh. Just little stuff like that. Let's see what what else does does Eric say? I'll just finish these lists off and call it the end. You know, he wants nesting. Tyler says he doesn't care if we ever get nesting. How interesting! I oh, wow like nesting. <laughs> you disagree? Yeah, that was on your must-haves for uh, <laughs> like I, just, I will yeah. use SAS because of nesting, and I have to have it or I will die. That's <laughs> I believe is a quote from your blog or something. <laughs> I just can't write the same selector over just to then say, <laughs> just to then say colon hover, colon oh, focus, get or out of here. I will die. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> so good. Oh God. But anything, lots of stuff does, does nesting, including, um, interestingly, I think nesting even made its way into like the, the post CSS, um, version of, of Babel preset env, you know, mm-hmm. b- b- Post CSS has this like something preset M, you know, they use the same name of it. And they're like, this is stuff that's, that's polyfillable through syntax that's coming in CSS. And I, I think the nesting one is in there wrong, mm. which has always made me so skeptical of stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like you better be really right. <laughs> this is coming. Otherwise you're encouraging this wrong syntax. That's supposed to be all future compatible, but just is they, they decided on, Three, right? Option three for that, right? The yeah, uh, not yeah. my favorite because really? it's the one that has this like you, you can't pick it up and copy and paste it into somewhere else that might need nesting because it depends on which one comes first and or something you had to use is I thought or something, but anyway, it, it's the one where like you can't use a letter, like you, I can't write article and then nest within it. Uh, div or, or or like fig figure and fig caption. I can't just nest sure, those sure. two just the way that it is because at the f of fig caption screws up the look ahead. So for and it's not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. You can just put the ampersand first, mm-hmm. and then you're good. It does the same thing. But the fact is, you don't need to put the ampersand in some situations. Like if I go figure dot fig caption, making it the class fig caption, that's fine. So what I don't like is all those little nuanced rules of what's okay and what's not, because it makes it hard to teach. It makes it hard to copy and paste around. It just seems strange to have all these little esoteric rules about what you can and can't do. It seems better to me, and I know I lost. I, I lost really badly in this, so I'm probably wrong, and you probably disagree, but uh, that it's like forcing the use of the, the ampersand or something like it was cleaner. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting. I They gave some background, but it was really, I was really trying to decide, figure out why those options were all pitched the way they were that was kind of like the like context i was missing you know like it's easy to like look at something and be like i like that one but it's like how did you get to this one is sort of like a question you know or like what's the technical limitation and the, the one where we voted on chrome's blog and there was like five options and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden that one just didn't matter anymore and we were voting again but on the webkit blog it was confusing to me and i was like why what there wasn't enough background as to why I had to throw away all my previous thinking about it and think about it kind again. Kind of a mom and dad are fighting situation. Yeah, like, I kind uh, of felt like that a little bit. Uh, I should say the right thing because I want it, but I just want which, you know. You know, Eric Meyer, kind of at the end, he had a bonus, but uh, you know, this gets into like the unspec stuff you know but css regions you know which got canceled but just the idea of you could have like a bucket to flow stuff into 
you know, I can love it. Yes, please. I, I would love it. I just, I just think he, um, you know, I, it kind of went away, but he makes the point, like try to create all this page maker in CSS. Like, you know, I don't know if you, people have used like those publishing things, but it's basically you just like drag a box and it like chucks it to the next column, like pretty efficiently. Or t- if you're in word, it'll chuck it to the next page, you know, like mm. it's the same tech, you know, like we could have maybe some really cool experiences if we had that so Uh, to me it's all about grid like the fact that you can define these really rigid regions with you know the content goes here and it's very easy for content to like expand out of that thing to just say like oh if it does then go over here that just seems great right something to think about all right well send us your lists if you come up with some big brain stuff but uh (laughs) Thank you for downloading this in your podcast of choice. That is the biggest brain thing you did in 2023. Good job. That's uh, so we really appreciate that. Uh, follow us uh, on. I think we still have a Twitter at Chop Talk Show. Uh, you can. Uh, what instance us. should we be on? Because I'm not going to spin know. one up. I'm not going to spin one up, but maybe. Um, is there like a podcasting one or something? There's a Dev Tools one, like a Dev Tools. Uh, one oh, we can maybe cool. get on front end social, maybe I don't know, but anyway, maybe we need a new Mastodon instance, and then um, head over, uh, join us in the Patreon, Patreon dot uh, slash Shop Talk Show uh, for the Discord, which is nice. fun. So, all right, sure is. See ya. Well, Chris, you got anything else you like to say? Oh, I forgot. ShopTalkShow.com. definitely still exists. Websites hanging on, dude. 